Welcome to Elite Rugby SNC Podcast, the best podcast talking all things rugby and strength conditioning. At Elite Rugby SNC, we provide athletes with strength conditioning programs that provides you with everything you need to become a beast and take your game to the next level. No matter what stage of the year or season, Elite Rugby SNC has a program for you. You can try before you buy, so try our seven-day, seven-dollar trial to get a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join Elite Rugby SNC today. Today on the podcast, amateur rugby union athlete Carl Bullman, aka KB, joins me for a chat. KB plays his rugby down in Canberra, Australia, for the Western District Rugby Club, which plays in the John Eden Cup. When KB isn't tearing it up on the rugby field or smashing the weights in the gym, he works for ACT Education as a teacher working as the Assistant Director for Positive Behaviours for Learning. On this episode, we talk about three key topics, leadership, strength and conditioning, training for rugby athletes, and how to be the best teammate on and off the field. This was a fantastic episode, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you all, because I know you're going to learn a lot from KB. Thanks again for joining me today, KB. I really appreciate it. Enjoy. G'day, KB. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Just enjoying the holidays and the sunshine, mate. Yeah, good. Yourself? Yeah, going well, thanks. It's it's good to see that you're, you know, quite relaxed, you know, after a big year of school being a teacher. Um, you, d- you definitely uh, earn those those extra holidays that you get. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, been a big year, mate. So particularly kids coming out of COVID and um yeah then transitioning from home learning so it's been a yeah been a big slog so yeah i've loved this holidays that's good mate so how's the body and mind traveling are they ready for another rugby season this year mate it's uh yeah it's very good at the moment i um i'm getting getting a bit long in the tooth these days so i uh i've been tossing up around the idea of pulling the pin and um transitioning out of footy but uh the time, the time I've had, I've, I've really made a focus on, uh, you know, just separating myself from footy for a little bit and just really relaxing. And because um, when I am in that space, I go as hard as I can. Um, but having that time away and um, doing different activities has really helped me sort of recharge. And you know, I'm in a in a headspace now where I'm like, yeah, ready to go. I'm ready to go all all in again. And um, yeah, whether it's one last season or not, I don't know. But, yeah, I'm very keen for the season ahead. That's uh, awesome. It's definitely been a, a theme um, talking to, you know, athletes like yourself and coaches is is having that outlet from rugby. And when you are in the off-season, have an off-season. You know, you can continue yeah. to still train in the gym as part of your normal routine and go do some conditioning work. But have that outlet to just relax, you know, go to your family, go focus on another sport or just go focus on yourself, but not in a rugby sense. So it's really good that you have, you know, maybe learnt the hard way sometimes that you really need to go out there and focus on something else other than rugby at times. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's been, um, that's something I've definitely learned as I've got older that um, you've got to have a life outside of it. And it's about that balance. Um and, uh, yeah, you learn it the hard way. You find yourself burning out. I know, like, and I'm sure we'll touch on it, but, I've, you know, I've had to take a season off before because, you know, it was all just getting a bit bit too much. And um, But it's about, now, like, understanding yourself and listening to your body and what you need. And, 
responding to that. Hundred mm, percent, and just like re, re like um, thinking back to my career as well, it was like I remember there was a period of like that that cult age group. I was just so focused on just like wanting to be better and all that, and I did get a couple injuries from that. And I think it was maybe just training too much and just mm. just just led to a bit of burnout. And then when I got into the season, I found a better way to just relax a bit and have some fun with my teammates and i had one of my better seasons so i think if yeah you can find that balance and find your outlet which is unique to you it's definitely going to have a positive um effect on your game yeah perfect absolutely so growing up as a young lad what sports did you play and how did you end up playing rugby um when i was young i played i played soccer um i was a bit of a short fat kid as a kid um, so I got stuck in goals. Uh, so I was goalkeeper uh, at Majura, Majura Soccer Club for quite a while. Um, and then at about, I remember one Christmas when I was, I was probably 12, it was that transition time between primary school and high school. Um, you know, my, my family had always been uh, big rugby union guys. My dad played a lot of time for West Rugby and so did my uncle. They both played for ACT and toured around um, internationally with with the ACT team back in the day. Um, and there was, I think I always knew that I would get into rugby, but I remember I just needed a bit of bit of a push. Um, my parents never gave me, never put any pressure on me to, to do, like to play rugby or to do anything. They just wanted me to be happy. And I remember talking to my auntie one time saying like, oh, yeah, like I might might play footy next year. Um, and she just like announced it to everyone at, at Christmas dinner. Um, and everyone was so happy. And then I was like, oh, now I've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was how it all started really. Like I, um, yeah, it, it needed, I needed that little bit of a push. But then since then, I've never looked back. Um, and then... Did a little bit of rugby league as well, just through through school. But um, I've always enjoyed rugby and the the technicalities of the game, and um, and just how the you know it's a game for everyone. Like it's like you can be any shape or size, and um, anyone can sort of find a place in the in the sport. Hmm. Do you think that's the reason why you've continued to play rugby? Is because of those reasons and. Yeah, what, what has made you want to continue on playing rugby after you did decide when your auntie announced at Christmas, hey, KB is playing rugby, but when you got it, uh, like graduated after school, continued to play rugby in the seniors, like why did you want to continue on playing rugby? Yeah, I guess my motivation sort of changed a bit. Um, it became more around uh, my own competitiveness um, and, and uh, satisfying that need. I, like I am quite a competitive person. Um, but then also the the bond and the the love that you have for your, your teammates and that sense of community. The community is uh, that's my number one thing, and that's why you know as I'm as I'm getting older, like that's all I want to pass on to my teammates and up and coming players around. You know how you how you look after your club and how you look after your teammates. And, um, I'm a big believer, and you've got to look up. You've got to you know, pass the place on into a better place than where you where you started it. Um, yeah, it it definitely changed. It went from 
okay, like I'm I'm going to play sport because I enjoy playing sport, and that's still that's still there. Like I love the game, um, but now it's much more focused around. You know, I love the competitiveness. Competitiveness. I love the the camaraderie. Um, I love I love leading a team, and I love uh, helping others and and trying to bring the best out in people. So that's been a that's been a, I guess the biggest transition in in my uh, personal motivation supply. No, it's awesome, and I, I love that point of you want to continue the you know traditions and you know uniqueness and, and the culture of a club onto the next generation and. You know, every year of a rugby club, you're getting a whole bunch of new Colts players, and that's the perfect time to influence them and, and really shape what the club um, values onto them and let them bring that tradition through, but then also add some stuff to it as well. And you just don't want to see your rugby organization, your club go backwards and sort of lose the stuff that you really valued as a player when you first arrived. And I think the best rugby clubs obviously evolve, but continue to have those traditions and make everyone um, known of them, but proud of them as well. So I, th- I think that's a great point that you, t- that you touched upon. Yeah, definitely, mate. It's, I was very lucky to have some some outstanding players ahead of me when I was coming up. And, um, you know, having my, my dad and my uncle both a part of the club for a really long time and then uh, having uh, some really good mentors in, in the club uh, take me under their wing has made me go right. This is this is where I want to be. I feel connected. I feel like I belong here, uh, and I want to pass that feeling on to to others and keep keep those good parts of the culture alive, and then adapt to uh, what you know how the game is and you know the different players that come through. Hundred mm, percent. I love that. Yeah. So I want to talk about leadership today. Is a big part of the the talk, and it's something that probably mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, but never really delved into it. And that's something I want to bring um, this year on the podcast as well. So how would you describe your leadership style as a captain? At mine, uh, I feel like I can be a bit of a hard ass, uh, but on the field, but I think it's um, one of the things that I, I really value is that, you know, if you if you are being hard, it's about being hard on a standard. It's not being hard on an individual. And it's about having, like, identifying your own values and your own principles, but also collaborating with the other leadership team within the squad about what what is what is it that we want to achieve and then how are we going to get there. And that's through our values and that's through our, our work ethic. And what does that look like explicitly? And then so... For me, once you have that identified, that's your like that's where you stay, right? You got to keep that. And at times, you know, at various points in the season, whether it's pre-season, whether it's you know, like grim, freezing cold, um, pouring rain in Queanbeyan or something like that, it's you got to you got to maintain that the whole time. And so, uh, it's about. For me, like I will, I'll always let people know if I feel like a standard is slipping. But then I'll come through on a nurturing aspect afterwards. Um, you can't just be a prick to everyone. Um, you need to, for me, uh, people need to feel loved and cared for, 
And I think that's really, really important. And sometimes can go missing. You know, you get people that are just hard and um, but then don't have the follow-up with with that compassion or the um, – because that's where the I feel like that's where the learning is. It's that conversation afterwards, or you know, you, you debrief after a game, or um, you know, you buy your mate a beer if you for whatever happened, or you know, it's it's about those, it's about that follow up, and I think that's that's something I've learned throughout the years um, is how to how to get boys together um, by you know you can set a standard. But then to to bring everyone together and unpack and debrief with each other in a really lighthearted and and nurturing way, um, I'm big on that. So yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been a uh, I've I've captained teams for quite a long time now, and it's at the start it was more about like being a bit of an authority. But as I've learned, um, I feel I work much better. Um, I guess with a bit of kindness afterwards and looking after your mates and um, and you know that's that's a key for me. So it's holding those standards, um, but then unpacking and debriefing with your mates afterwards to maintain those moving forward. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I think that was that was a question I was going to ask. What was your yeah leadership style when you first got into? a captain role to where you are now because I think everyone can sort of relate. You know, you're like, you just want to be a bit like strict and you want it this way and you just, you're so tunnel visioned on, on how to do it. But then when you experience a few more seasons, you're like, oh yeah, that's probably not the way to do it. You know, there's other ways to do it. And actually I think that nurture part is, is quite important because people want to be heard and, and just valued. And if you're just that prick all the time, you're not going to get people to uh, follow you the way that you want um, to be followed. So yeah, that nurture part is really important. Yeah. And I think um, another thing that I've learned is, is leaning on your supports and leaning on your, you know, your leadership team, your coach, um, you know, the different players with all their own unique skill sets within the team and letting them be the experts in their field. And listening to that advice, um, often in a game, I'll go and talk to various players and get their opinion, or ask them like, "Hey, I've ID'd this. Like, what do you think?" Um, or like, you know, it's it's not all about just you, and you don't have to do everything yourself. And when once I realised that, uh, I found it so much more enjoyable, and so much, and I think the team got got a better leader from me because they're heard everyone has has a degree of ownership then um and then that's that's what that's what really that's when you start really firing as a team when everyone owns it everyone feels responsible and connected um everyone's got a bit of input but you also have that clear direction and that's that's where i see my role is keeping that direction um, but with the input of those around me. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And you probably touched upon the point with the question that I want to ask now is when things aren't going your way during a game, what do you say to the team and what do you do to get them back on focus under the, the heat of the pressure, you know, scoreboard pressure late in the game, some bad calls going, not, not going your way. Um, so yeah. That's a, that's a really good question because, um, like, as you know, we've had, 
a few lean years recently, so it has been a bit tough. Um, but I think, and that's, you know, we've got a really young squad. And so for me, you know, rugby can be broken down into a couple of minutes at a time. Uh, there's often, whether it's a stoppage, whether it's a, you know, a break or a, you know, something slows right down, you can break it down into, you know, one minute, two minute blocks or 30 second blocks at times. And you, it's about, uh, keeping everyone for me it's keeping everyone uh level-headed and calm to to be able to perform our best for that 30 second for a minute block and then once that happens moving on to the next minute or the next block all right so it's it's not getting it's not running your race before the race is even run like it's about you know little tiny milestones and little goals right and it might be that i'll go right we're going to plug the corner here and we're going to put pressure on the line out and then hopefully get a result out of that, right? And then you, when that happens, you G everyone up, right? And that's you get everyone started to believe again because pressure comes um, and people react to pressure in all different ways. But um, it's about celebrating those little wins and keeping everyone amped and at that, at that peak level um, to perform and keep their mental space uh, right to be able to, and make the best decisions at the time, whilst not overstimulating them. Um, you know, you don't want you know pumping everyone up too much that they're you know they're trying to be a hero or they're shooting out of a line or um, all those little things, all those little details. So it's about for me, it's about keeping everyone mindful of little little goals within the game, um, and it might be like. You know, we need a spark now, boys. Like we need a we need a big contact here, um, and that like little things like that can shift the game completely. Um, and so it's just about reminding them about you know there's going to be momentum swings. Let's celebrate those little wins, those little milestones, and those little wins will add up. I think that's the great thing about rugby and a lot of team sport is momentum. And it's a great point that you mentioned that, you know, that 30 second block of that one or two minutes, like momentum can shift in that time period and you can, you know, get a, a try from 50 meters out or you could plug that corner, uh, plug the corner, put pressure on the line out and then get forced to turn over and then score, you know, and, and then that gets you back right in the game or that gives you the lead. And you might have felt like you've been down and out for quite a while, but just that one moment people were able to capitalize and stick to the game plan and put pressure into points. So I think, yeah, not looking too far in advance during the game, but then also the hardest thing is probably just to forget about some of the mistakes that happened as well. You know, like you might've made a bad call or you gave away a penalty or something happened. If you have the ability to, you know, forget about it, move on and think what, what, what can I do in this next minute or two to help my team get back the momentum or back the ball? I think that's, it's a very hard thing to do, but if you can try and focus on it and, and practice it at training, um, it's definitely going to um, happen in, in a game. And I think you put yourself as an individual player, but then for the team, um, it, it's, it's just something that needs to happen and it's vital as well to the sport. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's where, coaching that resilience and building those people's like your teammates resilience um particularly as an snc like we really value that you, you need to build that resilience because it is going to get tough 
um, and then to be able to you know, accept what happened but move on. Um, and that's that's tough in a game. Like that's you know things are moving fast, and you know, um, you know people's ad- adrenaline's running hot. So it's about coaching that resilience to be able to go right. It happened. Move on. Learn from it. And uh, yeah, we'll move on to the next block. I think I maybe quote Ted Lasso a little bit too much on this podcast and in life, but there's a scene where he's talking to one of his players and like, I want you to have a memory like a goldfish, you know, 10 second memory, because afterwards you can't control it. You can't change it. So why worry about it? You know? So if you can practice that, you'll go, I'll go a long way playing rugby, but your, your life will also change as well. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. So when things are going your way during a game, how do you keep the momentum and keep winning the game as well? Oh, that's the uh, that's the best feeling, right? Like it's when you feel like you you got that momentum, you you got that roll on um, everything you do. It, like you you make an ad line constantly. Um, that's the that's the feeling you're chasing, um, and it's about uh, it's about keeping the boys up at that level. Um, I think one of the one of the big challenges is, and I think everyone's been there, is that you've you've gone into the sheds at halftime and you have got a good lead and you're feeling you're feeling good, and then you take your foot off the throat and you you know a team comes back, or even if for a period you know you start you get overconfident, and that's uh, it's about and this is this is I think is one of the hardest things is to is to help a team uh, maintain momentum. Uh, and it's about um, referring back to you, like, what's your direction? What are we trying to achieve? Um, because sometimes in games, like, you'll have a game plan and you know, or something that you want to work on or something that you want to achieve, and you might find that, you know, you're scoring tries outside of that plan. And so sometimes people go, well, stuff the plan, we'll just play. And that's okay, and that has its place as well. But um, there will be those momentum shifts, um, and you need to go back to your structures and go back to your plan. Um, so it's about keeping everyone, you know, keep them amped, you know, keep them pumped, love, like let them enjoy the footy, like let them enjoy that moment. Um, but you need to just remind them that um, it's not done yet. We haven't achieved anything yet. Um, and that's that's a big thing that I say talk about with my players is that we haven't we haven't won this game yet. This game's not done, and uh, that's that's something I do refer back to um, throughout the game. You, know, you hear the cliche like it's near all. I don't I don't think that's good at all. I think um, like everyone knows it's not near all, um, and it doesn't work. That was something I was, I was probably going to ask because I was just thinking of a follow-up question was, what, what are some things that you don't like being said? Like that was one I was thinking is Neil Aller. And there's another one that I think as well is, you know, when you're playing a very important game or you might be playing a semi-final and people are like, this is our grand final. You know, mm. I, I don't like that either. So, yeah, continue, continue on. Is there anything else no. that you don't like being said? Um, oh, I think it's – I think – as you're saying there, like before I answer your question, I think it's about being present in the moment, right? Like, yeah, 
like it's not true like it's not new all it's not this is not our grand final like you can't you need to be present in that moment and react and and adapt to what's in front of you um and for me i think like one of the things i one of the things i really hate is like um you know someone say someone does make a mistake um and someone in your team might get into them um i feel like uh, uh there are players out there that you know they get hot-headed and that's you know you need something you need those players as well right like they have a they have a place in the team um but it's uh often not done constructively and i think that's you know, I've developed a level of maturity in my leadership that I can, you know, I can pull someone up or I can talk to someone in a in a game constructively, um, just so you you're not dropping heads. Um, like I, I uh, one of the things I don't like during a game is um, like probably call it like shit talk to the opposition um because you they're getting into your head and if they're getting into your head and it doesn't matter if you might be winning or um or you might be behind and trailing if you start shit talking the opposition um or you know bad talking them they're starting to get into your head and um for me one like first of all it's, yeah, you know, I think rugby's a, a game of respect. Um, you play hard and you, you, know, you rip in and you have a beer afterwards. But um, when you're getting into that sort of more like confrontation with other players, that's when that's when you can lose yourself from you know your direction. Um, and it is a really fine line about keeping people. You, know, you want aggression, you want that physicality, you want that intensity, but it's not stepping over into I'm now like personally attacking someone. Um, and that's that's what I really try to um, pull in on players um, and try and keep their heads level during a game because I've just seen so many times where, you know, only takes like one or two players to, to lose their head and then that momentum swings. Or it might be enough spark for the opposition to go, nah, we're on now. And they they turn it on on us. So that's that's probably the big thing for me is is keeping everyone level headed enough, but still maintaining that aggression and that intensity um, without getting the opposition into your head. Mm. You don't have to like the opposition, but you have to respect them, you know? Like there's many clubs and organizations that you just don't like because of many reasons, but you got to respect the fact that they also trained during the week. They also went to the gym. So why shouldn't they not win this weekend as well? You know, so you, you really have to respect that they put in hard work, but you got to keep in mind that you've also put in some hard work and we're, we're not going to let you win. So I think it's a great point of, yeah, you can have a bit of banter when you're playing and all that stuff. But if you're shit talking too much, yeah, that they end up taking real estate in your head. And you don't, you don't want that. You want to keep focusing on what you can do for the game plan and for the team and keep putting that, that really good performance in place because, yeah, I've, I've seen it as well many times, like plays start to shit talk and then the momentum shifts 
and that they stop shit talking like oh fuck i probably shouldn't have said that you know or this this and that and they sometimes end up losing the game and it's not really a good reflection um on him and the team as well yeah i think um i often think about like you know other clubs are just like us like there's going to be a version of me at this other club um and there's going to be versions of all these other players at your club like footy players are it's why we get along quite well. It's like we're often often very similar. And it's just the fact that you wear a different jersey. Um, and I think what you I think what most people find is that once you when you do meet them outside of that footy area, um, or you you're in a rep team or whatever, you you generally get along really well. Um, there's players that play at you know, some people like to play at a really high intensity of, of aggression or, you know, you know, some players are lippy or, you know, some players don't mind trying to get a bit of an edge with it might be a dog shot or something. But, um, yeah, you can't let that take real estate in your head. You've got to keep keep on your own direction. Um, and that's tough. Um, but that's that's something that, um, I think comes with a bit of maturity. Like I said, we've had quite a young squad um, this last couple of seasons. So, um, you know, myself and the leadership team really work hard at. Hmm. I think that's one of the cool things about rugby as well. Something you, you touched upon is we go hard, you know, we, we go out there, smash each other and all that. But at the end of the day, as soon as the whistle blows, you know, we shake hands, you go on the sheds, you reminisce about the game, have a beer and just, you know, that camaraderie. I think that's really unique to rugby and I haven't really been involved in other sports that are like that. So I think that's just such a unique thing that rugby um, offers. Definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I've played, a, I've played a few sports and, yeah, it's very unique to rugby and that, I guess that's what brought me back to playing rugby is that camaraderie and that community yeah. that's yeah that's a that's an itch i need scratched yeah so is there any other advice you have for captains and leaders and, and athletes wanting to be a leader um that comes to mind but it's just for me like you don't have to you don't have to be the hero um it's not up to you to to do everything um you need to you need to draw on your supports and draw on your your leadership team. Um, but for upcoming players, like don't rush into it either. Like you don't have to try and um, try and be the, the the supreme leader straight away. Um, yeah, for me, I think it like taking time to to be patient and, and to learn and absorb off a range of de- different leadership styles. Um, and identifying within your team or within your club or whatever it is within within life, like different leaders that you you look at and you go right. I like I like this part of their leadership. I like this. I would like to adapt that into my own style and to to be observant of people around you. Um, for me. Uh, I, as a as an up like for an upcoming leader, making yourself known and uh, introducing yourself to everyone is really important. Building that connection, um, you can't be you can't be clicky. 
Um, you don't have to be their best mate, but you should know something about them. You should have something to talk about. You should be able to, um, you know, have a conversation with them, find out what makes them tick, learn their style. I would be able to go through our whole squad and tell you, like, different strengths and different weaknesses on everyone. Um, and that's really important, I think, to to bring out the best in, in the players around you. Uh, so that, that connection, I think, is is really, really important. If you're able to talk and communicate with other people and understand their story, it just makes everything so much easier, you know? And it's something that I really try to do is understand people's stories because if I can understand what's going on with them, then I might know when something's not going right or when something is going right. And, you know, it might not be the best time to blow up at that individual because they've got external um, pressures going on. And it's also knowing like when good things are happening, because I, I, I want to know when good things are happening so I can help celebrate with you, you know, like um, it's just, you, you just want to be a part of their life and help them along the way as much as you can. And if you can do that as a leader, then you'll get the best out of them. And if you can get the best out of them, then they're going to perform and do the work and do the training and it's going to help um, reflect with the performance on the field. So yeah, you don't have to be a leader straight away for, for any up and coming athletes, you know, going to senior rugby, you don't have to be a leader straight away, like earn, earn the right to be a leader and, and look to the, to the senior uh, people at the club who are already in those leader positions, um, see what you can learn from them, see what you can learn from um, people of influence outside of sport. And then slowly add that in and see how you can add value to the team and also add value to the organization as well. Yeah, I think that's spot on. Awesome. <laughs> Can't say anything more than that. Yeah. So moving into strength conditioning, uh, an area that you enjoy a lot. If you ever do get to meet uh, KB in, in real life, he's got a, got a nice physique. Um, so he definitely takes pride in his gym training and, and nutrition as well. Yeah. No, it's, I, I love it. It's uh, it's my my outlet. Um, you know, once I wrap up footy, it'll be it'll continue to be my outlet. Um, yeah, it's it's something I I really enjoy. Um, so, yeah. how has strength conditioning, um, like it, it, it's vital to our performance, which we all know. Like, how has strength conditioning helped you for your rugby career? Mate, and I, you know, we might be touching into another question, but for me. Um, my game really took a turn, like a big improvement when we got a quality SNC like yourself to um, join us because it it taught me, uh, I guess when I was younger, it used to be very much lift as heavy as possible, as often as possible. Um, and I learned to listen to my body um, and I also learned... Uh, the importance of power training. And for me, power training has been uh, power and, and plyometrics has been the, the most important uh, progression for my, uh, in terms of like strength and conditioning in, into my rugby. Uh, it dramatically increased my speed and learning, learning how to run, um, I think, has been uh, really significant for me in terms of my my overall performance uh, and it's also become something I really enjoy so I, I love doing those 
you know, the complex Olympic lifts and uh, doing uh, all those sort of primer, um, like sprint tech uh, training. And for me, it's a, it's a great challenge. It's a, they're really complex movements um, that need to be done. You, know, you can do, a, do it for a short little block at a really high intensity um, with good rest. So you're performing everything at its maximal. And I love that. Like that has um, been a huge improvement for me because before I would just try and lift as heavy as possible. And uh, you know, I think I was finding I was getting a lot of imbalances in my body, which was causing um, quite a bit of stress on myself when I was playing. Um, and it meant I couldn't move as, as well as I could now. So, yeah, it's had a huge impact on my life. Hi, everyone. We just want to take a quick break from this episode. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far and all the content we have produced. We appreciate all the support from our listeners and followers so far. If you haven't already, sign up to Elite Rugby SNC blog today. We provide free exclusive content every single week to our subscribers. You'll find our website link in our bio below. Remember to like, Subscribe and share Elite Rugby SNC on all social media platforms to all your family and friends. Thanks again for all your support. And now back to the episode. Mm, and and we, we all fall down the rabbit hole, you know, of just focusing in the gym and just wanting to lift heavy and just do these, these you know, movements that are definitely vital to your SNC program, but you probably do them too much and probably too heavy and not sort of vary the sets and reps enough. And you probably don't focus on power and, you know, learning how to run. And if you don't know how to, you know, express force really, really quickly, which is our power, then you're not really going to be a good rugby athlete, are you? You can't just have strength and be strong. You need to be able to express that power and force that you have. So it's it's definitely a game changer for, for any athlete out there in rugby and rugby league and any sport really is if you can learn how to, you know, train power and then express the power when you're playing your sport it's it's going to be a massive game changer and then for sport such as rugby if you don't know how to run properly then you're you're wasting energy you know and you're probably getting it to the end of the game and you're not um probably in the position that you need to be like you should be at, at the end of the game feeling screwed and i put everything out there but you might be feeling extra tired whereas if you learn how to run properly and condition yourself properly you should feel pretty empty at the end of the day but you were able to give a hundred percent throughout the whole game, not just, you know, the first 10 minutes and the last 10 minutes, you were able to compete at a high level for the 70 minutes, depending if you're playing certain rugby or 80 minutes. Um, you're just able to just go hard continually. So yeah, I think those two points of power and learning how to run properly is something that we pride ourselves here at elite rugby SNC, but all the good strength conditioning programs have those two components and really make sure that they are a priority of your strength conditioning program. Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's been a massive learning for me. And it's, yeah, as you say, you, you finish a game and you, you put everything out there, but you're not, um, you haven't overexerted yourself and you haven't, uh, you haven't hopefully, you haven't injured yourself um, based on your imbalances or um, or poor technique. Hmm. We did sort of touch upon in the next question, but let's ask it anyway. So looking at your strength conditioning program when you first started in the gym, this this could even be prior to just training um, for rugby. What would be the main differences uh, from now and 
and back then and what advice would you sort of give a young kb you know just starting in the gym well, i train legs now <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah when i was a kid i used to hate squatting and doing all that and i got myself a nice set of 11s down there um and then i you know i i was at a point mate like i could i remember when i was 18 I had this huge upper body and these skinny little legs and I'd put my legs together and I'd like sway. It was like I was on a boat. Um, and then um, and then I got some, some decent coaching when I was, got into seniors um, and, you know, the club gym program and, you know, sticking to that. And I, I learned to love training legs these days um, and learning uh you know it started off being like all right i'm going to train legs i'm going to lift as heavy as possible all the time and each week i would be um i would do like the same sort of weight and for the same reps for the same sets and because it's a change like your body's going to react and you know i did get good improvements there but then a plateau and i didn't understand why and um, I'll go, all right, I'll change it up and do a different movement. But I was still doing heavy weight, um, four sets um, or three sets or whatever. But, uh, you know, with, with age comes a bit of wisdom in that and you learn learn off people around you. And you know, with some good coaching, I've uh, learned about you know, the different ranges of um, sets and reps and the different intensities that, and how you how you uh, use a block of training as opposed to like every session is my last session in the gym you know it's um, I think that was really important for me to be able to identify right this is a five week block um, this is where I'm at this is where I'd like to get to and this is going to be my RPE moving up towards that so that's been that's been a big change for me. So um, now I squat <laughs> uh, and enjoy it a lot. But it, yeah, that's that's probably like the most simplified version. I was very dumb when I was young. Um, didn't you know? Felt nice training upper body and then put the track pants on for the lower body. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. With that, I've I've really. Uh, I think my whole body composition has really changed um, with that good coaching, and now I feel much more balanced and um, yeah, got a bit of junk in the trunk, and yeah, it's all good. It's again, it's something that we all learn the hard way, I guess. Is when when we first start out in the gym, that you have a massive body in, bodybuilder influence on you, you know, because most people are training like that in the gym. You got your, you know, you're targeting a certain muscle group, or it's push day, pull day, then legs. But then once you're under, like, if you come into sport and continue to play for your senior year, uh, senior life is, you understand, you need to understand how to train like an athlete, you know, and prepare yourself to be able to play the sport because that's what we're trying to do is play the sport. We're not just trying to get really, really big and strong in the gym. We're actually trying to perform out, out in the field on the training paddock, but then also out there on, on the pitch on game day. So if you can learn how to train like an athlete, it's a much better way to train. Even when you're not playing rugby anymore, I think being having the same sort of training split is so much more beneficial because you're also prioritizing your recovery and you're not just overdoing it, say, 
say it's chest day, you're not just doing 20, 30 sets of chest on one day and then the next day you're doing the same for back. Like you're doing enough to get a good stimulus and see some change and get some strength and some more muscle hypertrophy, but you're also allowing your body to recover. And if you can recover, then all facets, facets of life are going to be better. So I think the concept of training like an athlete doesn't just apply for sport. It also applies outside when you're not playing sport anymore. It's such a great way to train and to maximize your time in the gym. And you don't have to go there six days a week. You know, um, you can also do stuff outside of the gym as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that really sums it up nicely. So how important is it to continue training as much as you can during an injury? What has been your experience in this space? Yeah, that's uh, that's a good question because I, I've had a few injuries. Um, you know, I think more recently I've had some bulging discs. Um, and, yeah, in the past I probably would have just gone, I can't do this or I'll try to do it, train exactly the same, try and train through that, um, which slows down my recovery. Uh, but learning to train around it and to to you know, scale back um, my lifts to be able to still function with it has really helped that in, that recovery. Um, it's really important to for me, and this is something I've learned is to like you, know, you, you can still train with an injury and you can still um, function. There's obviously some things that you know. You know, I'd say at the at the trauma of the event, like you're going to need a, a degree of rest, but um, it's really important to keep that movement, keep um, things activated. Um, it promotes that recovery as well. It's sending blood flow to the area, um, but it's also about you know take your ego out of it and um, listen to your body if you you know and follow follow the advice of your your plan whether it's through a physio or a doctor or whatever it is like they're the expert it's not it's not you um, and if they're telling you to do something it's that's for a reason so that's um and and bouncing off a good snc i think is really important to you know you might not have like again you're not the expert so you need to listen to the snc if they're telling you that you know you can modify a movement by doing this or they they have a greater range of knowledge in that space so just listen to the, the people around you but listen to your body as well mm. unfortunately we don't know when our next injury is going to be and let's say most of the time you do come back from that injury you know you've done the rehab you've you continued on your, your training and you're back out there playing and the area that was injured doesn't give you any concern anymore and then something else happens so it just really is important that you are continue, continuing your training when you are injured, that when you do come back and playing, that you're back there playing for a long time. You know, you're not just coming back from, let's say, a hamstring injury, but then I blow my shoulder out because I didn't keep up the training in my upper body gym work and I just couldn't handle the contact, you know, coming back to play. But my hamstring's all good. It's now my shoulder, you know, and now you're off on the sidelines for a few more weeks. So... Yeah, you just don't know when the next injury is going to be. So why not continue the training and putting in the hard work so that when you come back, you're back. You're not going to get another injury for the rest of the year, hopefully. Or if you do, 
it's very minor and it you only have to adjust a few things during the week but you can still play so definitely keep up your training yeah no it's spot on and enjoy it like training should be enjoyable so it's going to be good for your mental health it's hard enough when you're injured so mm. yeah that way you can still be around around people and still feel connected yeah 100 so teammates this is um a topic that i think you've done quite well from the the time that i've known you you've always been a really really good teammate and you know how to you know express that onto other teammates what makes a good teammate on and off the field in your eyes uh it's trust i think um trusting that yeah your mate's got your back and knowing they're going to they're going to you know they're going to back you or trust that you know if you make a mistake you trust that they're going to try and make up for it or um you know i think that is and that's something that that really builds that connection and camaraderie it's the trust in your teammates to to do their job um to to not um you know if you make a mistake it's not the end of the world they're not going to rip into you too much um but also that they understand the direction that you want to achieve so for me trust and and uh trust and work ethic you know i think that's that's a big thing like people that you know aren't afraid of work, working hard and they're not necessarily the big flashy players but you know will toil away like i've got a lot of respect for those type of players um put in the effort every single week like i love love being around those type of blokes mm. if you have trust it just allows many other things to be explored and you can just be yourself as well because you trust that person's going to do the work and and put in the effort to then be the best that they can be which is going to help the team and um yeah i couldn't agree more with trusting each other respecting each other and just putting in the work because if you've got a high work ethic it's going to make your teammate want to work hard as well and that's just nothing bad's going to happen from that if you do do the hard work because at the end of it's a long season you need to put in the work if, if you want to be there playing finals footy so off the field i think being a good teammate is everything that you've said in terms of you know keeping the the culture alive in the in the in the rugby club keeping the traditions it's going to the after match functions it's staying around supporting the next team or next teams playing that day it's you know being there for the tunnel when the play when your teammates are running out it's being there for a win and it's also being there for a loss it's also helping pack up the field and set up the field you know not every club has the resources and volunteers available so you might have to you know get up an hour early before that you would normally get up and go down to the field and help out. It's maybe spending 10 minutes on the barbecue to help out. It's, it's doing all those little things, I think becomes a really good teammate off the field. And again, if your club's thriving like that, it's only going to make the performance on the field a lot better as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you can, you can always tell a good club by their, you know, the people that are sticking around and doing those, all those little extra things. Um, and you know, when everyone's doing that, that's when you really feel that community and that, um, that love there. And that's what you want to be around. Mm. And it's also going to the, 
you know, the special functions you have throughout the year where you just get a bit rowdy and, and have a bit of a bit of a party and, you know, get on the beers and stuff like that. It's also doing that, you know, going out and showing a different version of yourself and letting your hair down for a little bit and just having a good party with your teammates. Absolutely. No, that's, um, I think that's so important, like that bonding outside of the, the footy field. Um, you know, there's sayings around like, teams that drink together win together that you don't necessarily need to drink but um i think that probably more encompasses like teams that spend time with each other outside of um the football field um build those connections that you can bring onto a football field yeah 100 so who have been some of your favorite teammates to play with and why uh look mate probably um, probably Matt Logson has been a really, really good teammate and made outside of um, football as well. Um, I love his his work ethic, his um, his aggression. Um, he gets he gets community and he gets um, giving back to a club. Um, Mitch Ty is another one that springs to mind because he. You know, he's a West Junior. Um, me and him are very alike. Our, our dads played together. Um, he has an absolute motor on him and the biggest bucket ass I've ever seen. Um, another one that was, is um, newer to the club is Angus Burns. Um, and that's it's pure heart. He is one of the hardest, toughest blokes I've, I've played with. Um, and I, you know, I don't know how it happens, but we seem to, you know, when one's going high and one's going low, it usually is both of us and we seem to, we seem to whack together. Um, so I love playing with Bernsey. Um, yeah, like, and Jeff Cox is another one that's just all energy. Um, you know, he's another West Junior, but just, Full of energy, and you've got to you got to contain him a little bit. Um, but he's just like your typical pest halfback, um, absolute menace on and off the field. But um, he's also a lot of fun. And then probably Ryan Kiley is another one, a great leader in the club, um, one of the like biggest motors I've ever seen. Had like um, a crazy progression, like went from being one year like a you know, a decent football player to being an elite rugby player um, in the span of one season. And he's, uh, yeah, he's one that you know, I look up to and, you know, we have a very good bond on and off the field. Mm. I think the cool thing is they're all different. You know, they're not just the, the same teammate with the same attributes. They're all different people who bring different things to the, to the rugby club and to the game and, um, yeah, I would agree with all those all those um, plays that you mentioned because I do know them as well, um, having coached them. But yeah, they all bring something unique to the to the to the club, and you definitely need people like that in your club because it's it's just going to drive the the organization forward, and it also makes training and playing so much more fun and more enjoyable having teammates um, like that on the field. Yeah, yeah, teammates that are also your mates. Like yeah. you you want to play hard for your mates and. Um, they play hard for you. Yeah, 100%.
So what, what is the best way to build team cohesion and bring a bunch of rugby athletes together to become a better team? Because every year we, we have new people come to the, to come to the club and, um, want to be a part of the team, but yeah, how do you bring just, you know, 15 random people together to strive towards, um, something that they haven't achieved? I think, uh, I think preseason is really important in that, um, working through that adversity that, you know, you're, you're in the box, like you're working, everyone's working hard together. Like something you, you experience together, um, is a, is a big thing. And then to be able to spend time outside of football together, um, I really make an effort to, you know, invite new, new players to, to different things. Like, um, you know, you have your own, your own little groups within the team and that's very natural, but, um, you know, making the effort, right, today we're going to, we're all going to get together. We're going to go play a game of touch or we're all going to, like play some cricket together or we're going to go to the pub and whatever it is, try to get everyone together um, to to build those bonds on and off the rugby field. But I think going through the adversity, something that, that is challenging um, and then it's like getting everyone through that um, and supporting each other through that, I think is, is how you create a good team. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with that. And, yeah, so it's 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 just like maybe going and doing a team challenge for a weekend. Like I've been at rugby clubs who've done that, going out and you know going up to Mount Kosciuszko and done some stuff like that, or it's just a, a series of challenge challenges throughout um, the day or something something along those lines can definitely be a way to create adversity and how you came over it, and then you can reflect during the season. Like remember when we went and did that? How hard that was. That was messed up. That was so fucked. Like we can get through anything, you know, let's, let's reflect on what we did in the past, all that work we did to this moment, we can do this. We can bounce back from a loss or bounce back after halftime and really put a good performance in. Yeah. It's yeah, building stories with each other. Like that's, that's when you're making great teams and great teammates, um, building those stories together, achieving something or grinding through something. Whatever it is, I think that's it's building those stories, building um, building connection there. Hundred yeah, percent. So moving on to the Triple H, uh, a segment I love doing because it allows me to get to understand you better as a person and everyone else. We we have done this at West Rugby. We did it a while ago, but um, it's, it's definitely something I wanted to bring to the podcast as well. So hard. Um, look, I think probably the, something that really stuck out to me was when I was in Colts, um, you know, I would, I'd play Colts and then I'd bench second grade. Um, and then our second grade team was unreal that year and they, they made it to the grand final and it was between me and one other player, um, of who was going to get that that last spot on the bench, and I didn't get it. Um, and that team went on to win the grand final, and I was I was devastated. Um, but what I learned out of that was resilience, and because I could have easily like 
cracked the shits and packed up and gone, nah, I'm going to move somewhere else. But um, I loved the club and I loved my mates there. Um, and, you know, it, whilst it hurt and you remember that sort of pain, you 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 move through it and you, you become stronger. So that that's something that uh, missing that grand final and seeing seeing all my mates there celebrating and having the best time um, was was tough. But um, knowing that I'd contributed to getting there um, was something that helped me get through. Yeah, I can sort of resonate on that as well. Like the the two grand finals that we had in Colts. First year we won, the second year we lost, but both of them I had to start on the bench. And it was, I don't know, it was a hard pill to swallow because, you know, you want to be named in that team. You want to be out there, you know, starting the game because it means you're the best player in that position. And it, it was hard because, like, I knew the players who got selected above me were maybe a little bit better at the time, but I don't think they were better. That that might just be my ego, you know, just talking. But they 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 de- in my eyes they weren't better. But I was able to then finish the game and and finishes you know celebrating. But in the second year we lost. But it's 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 hard not getting selected. You know, it sucks because you want to be there of your team through thick and thin, and you really feel like you can't contribute if you're not out there on the field. So I think it just comes back to to any coaches out there listening, like. If you are selecting a team each week and, you know, for a grand final, if you're fortunate enough, really make sure that your communication skills are there to tell that player, like, yep, I'm not selecting you, unfortunately, because of these reasons, but you're still a part of the team. As you said, you know, you're still contributed to the team throughout the whole year. So it doesn't mean that you haven't won the grand final just because you didn't play like you you, you have, you know, if, if you do win that victory. So, yeah, just make sure the coach is out there that you definitely got your communication skills because it... Yeah, it is. It is a hard um, pill to swallow sometimes, not being selected for the team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, next one, hero. Who was your hero, and why is this person your hero? Or if you got multiple heroes, uh, probably starts off with my dad, as in, uh, yeah, from a from a rugby. Like, are we talking rugby heroes or heroes? Yeah, it can life? be rugby heroes. It can be life. It's up to you, mate. Uh, yeah, probably my dad is a starting point. Um, just because, um, I always feel like a hero needs to be within reach. Um, I don't necessarily like, you can admire like great people. Um, but I feel like a hero and a mentor needs to be within reach of you. Um, and so I think that, you know, for me, my dad is, is a hero of mine. Um, and just hearing how you know, you know his achievements in rugby, and then um, you know, he was a twenty-year um, fireman, uh, you know, giving so much, and then just seeing how strong he is through through various challenges in life. Um, and then from a, like a professional point of view, I have various mentors that. Um, that I have. So one of them that is probably worth mentioning is a guy called Brendan McGee. Um, he uh, was a teacher of mine um, when I was in year nine and year 10. Um, and he significantly changed, I guess, the trajectory of my life. Um, he he taught me 
around community and around um, leadership and giving um, and how you how you work within a team. Uh, and that he's somebody that I still connect with, and he, um, you know, he's he's a deputy principal down in Melbourne now, but um, we still we still talk, and that's for me. He he took a, a group of you know some pretty challenging kids um, and made us a team and made us um, feel connected to school and enjoy our school, um, and that's what I wanted to replicate, and that's why I I guess followed down the the career of being an educator i really like that a hero should be someone you know out in, in reach that you have seen in person you know like we we often do say like you know an nfl star is my hero or some or a movie star is my hero um just because of what they do but it's like they, they might be an idol they, they, they can still be a hero who, who am i to say you can still be a hero but i think you might have some more heroes in your life if you just sort of maybe open your eyes a little bit to the people who are making a really good contribution to your life and have made a really positive impact you know you could have a hero who has, has been in your life already that you just probably haven't classified them as a hero you know and um yeah i, I, re I really like that saying that you said yeah i don't want to devalue people's ideas of who who's a hero to them because that's that's an individual thing but that's just my personal look that mm. You know, I look at, you know, you can idolise someone or you can go, right, I, I love their achievements or I love what they do, um, but you don't know their deep ins and outs. And I think that's that's my, that's my where I get that sort of lens from. Yeah. I think we should, you know, start a different trend and try and see, see that the people who are in our lives can be our heroes and um, our mentors can be our heroes as well, I think. Paying a bit more attention to what's going on in your life can definitely add a lot of value. And um, if you tell that person, like, hey, I, I really appreciate everything you've done for me, you know, I think they they might not know that. So why yep. not why not yep. go tell them, you know? So, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So the last one, highlight. What is a highlight that stands out in your rugby career so far? Um. One of the one of the best experiences I've had in rugby was uh, traveling to Malaysia and playing in the Malaysia Tens competition over there. Um, just you know, it was a it was an off season that we you know uh, we just basically put up a. I remember it was just a post just saying who wants to who wants to come, and a really really good bunch of blokes like it was coming off the back of our 2017 season that we had a really strong squad um really talented players um and unfortunately one of the players is no longer with us kawa he was uh he was a really really incredible player and a really good human being um, and just being able to spend a week over there playing as a professional athlete um you know, living that, living that life and enjoying the camaraderie and the and you know, that a really high level competition against you know, teams, international teams, was just such a such a buzz. And that was, you know, I I remember on that time really really fondly. That's awesome. I I love how rugby can take you all, all around the world and meet so many unique people along the way as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. It's it's been a, a real pleasure and mm. a privilege.
No, it's awesome. It's a great sport that we uh, most of us play. You know, I just coach. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's all the questions that I have for today. It's it's been awesome to to talk to you, KB. Um, who should be my next guest on the podcast? Is there any old or current teammates that should jump uh, jump on for a chat? Um, I think you'd like I I think of um, I I like to think of guys that are you know that get culture, that get, um, you know, what it means to be a good teammate. And for me, like, I think a really good teammate, um, someone who has a really good uh, idea on, you know, what it means to be a club and what it, how uh, how you contribute to that. I think either someone like you know, Seb Loraway um, is a, is a prime example of that. He's also a fellow club captain of mine. Um, or Mitchell Ty is a is another guy that you know. Both West Juniors, both um, you know, love the club. Want get understand giving back and understand um, the importance of of uh, culture. Um, so I think either of those guys would be fantastic to hear from. Easy done. Lucky I know both of them um, quite well, which is good. Yeah. So if listeners do want to reach out, you know, ask questions or just follow up on something or just give you a sneaky follow, where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram. At, um, it's Kai Borman, K-Y-B-A-U-L-M-A-N. Um, don't really use Facebook or anything like that. Yeah. But, yeah, that's probably the best place. Um, yeah, so... You want to hit me up on on Instagram? I'll be happy to have a chat with anyone. It's yeah, awesome. So thanks again for joining me today. It's it's been awesome to talk about leadership and expand on that topic as well. Um, because you don't have to just talk to people who are high up and been very very successful. Let's say in business or are at the top of the level in the Wallabies or anything like that. You can talk to anyone about that. And mm. I think you you've been a great example at, at West Rugby of, of being a leader for so many years. And you lead by example, so it was really cool to get to understand that more. Um, it was awesome talking about strength conditioning and this, and and what's being a good teammate as well. So I think I've covered a lot of topics today that a lot of people get some good um, takeaway points. And I just really appreciate you jumping on and having a chat today. Appreciate it, mate. And just on a side note, I want to thank you for yeah having me on, and I've really appreciated your support in my rugby career and my progression. Um, because you, you've had a really significant impact in my, in uh, I, I guess my understanding of my own body and how I can get the best out of myself. So, and understanding culture and teams. So that's been you know when you talk about drawing on different people's strengths, you know, I do draw a lot on um, what I've learned off you. So thank you. No, that's all right. I appreciate it. Thanks, mate. All right, catch Cheers, you later. Mate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify and YouTube, and make sure you follow us on Instagram. Sign up to come a beast via the link in the description or via Instagram page. So don't wait, make that good decision, and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. Thanks for listening.